Hello, I'm Dr. Julia Dana. Welcome to the Dermal Distinction Podcast, a master guide on science, beauty, and ethics in aesthetics. I've had decades of real life experience in aesthetics, dentistry, and training, and I'm passionate about passing on my insider knowledge and teaching you the techniques, the science, and the heart behind the rapidly growing world of cosmetic medicine. The Dermal Distinction Podcast is a safe space to explore the ethical approach to cosmetic injecting and education. It is a front row seat to a lesson in aesthetics, injectables, and skin science. As always, before undertaking any treatment, it is important that you seek advice from a qualified practitioner about your concerns. Join me each week with an open mind and remember, cosmetic injecting isn't just about changing faces, it's about changing lives. Ethics is such a central theme in the field of aesthetics. If you want to be successful, and you want to grow your practice in the field of aesthetics. Why is it so important? Well, it's really central to everything that we do, the way we conduct our business, the way we treat our patients. Ethics is really about your moral compass and doing the right thing. One of the things that I always emphasize in both my teaching and in my general patient practice is I think that our guiding principle should be do the right thing even when no one's looking. Because if you do the right thing even when no one's looking, you can always stand by what you do. I've been a dental practitioner for almost 27 years, and this has really been the guiding principle for me through my entire practicing life. I know that being at the same practice for such a long time, I'm going to see patients again. And I want to know that when I'm seeing the patients again, I can hold my head up high and be proud of what I've done and know that I'm always working in not only my best interest, but in the best interests of the patient. And this is why ethics is so important to me and why it should be so important to you when you're practicing aesthetics or any kind of medicine, really. When we're practicing cosmetic medicine, One of the things that's so important is our patient's journey. They place trust in us and they want to know that we're doing the right thing by them. So when we're going forward and we're practicing on our patients and undertaking aesthetic procedures, we want to know that our patients feel looked after. We want to know that our patients are going to get a great outcome. So part of our journey with our patients is always thinking about the ethics of anything that we do in terms of what products we use, the decisions we make. Are they the right decisions for our patients? Are they the right decisions for us? We all want to be successful. We all want to get successful outcomes for our patients. And this really drives me in teaching practitioners. I want to um, impart that knowledge and also, I guess, that moral compass that if we undertake our treatments and our treatment decisions for our patients, that we're doing it with an ethical basis for uh, many, many reasons, which I'm going to really get into and discuss with you. When we undertake ethical decisions for our patients, we're going to be successful. And why are we going to be successful? Because our patients trust us. Our rates of complications are lower. We can stand by our decisions. We can look into our patients' eyes and know that we're making the right decisions for them. Ethics is central to everything we do in aesthetics, uh, whether it's me as a dental practitioner, it really needs to be the guiding light and principles that we 
operate. It keeps us safe, all safe in terms of doing treatments and getting great outcomes, but also um, medico-legally. We're going to talk about some of these ethical issues, not only in this podcast episode, but in upcoming podcast episodes, because it's just so important. To get into this episode, let's talk about some definitions. What are ethical dilemmas and how do they affect us in aesthetic medicine? When we talk about ethical dilemmas, you know, we're really talking about what is right. And so often when it comes to aesthetic medicine or any kind of medicine, actually, including dentistry, ethics really comes down to doing the right thing at all times. Now, there are some guiding principles in our daily clinical practice. You know, for instance, are we giving all the treatment options to our patients? This is one ethical dilemma that we might face. Another ethical dilemma is are we uh, giving our patient the treatment option based on the right treatment choices or is there kind of a, some sort of incentive that might be guiding the you know, decisions that we're offering up to our patients? Ethics really comes down to doing the right thing at all the right times and for all the right reasons because it really drives us forward in being not only successful but giving great outcomes to our patients and giving the the right choices as well. I'm going to discuss uh, some really important ethical dilemmas that face us every single day in uh, both clinical practice and also when you're selecting out an education provider, some of the ethical dilemmas that sometimes we need to look at from an educational point of view and when we're picking our education provider, we need to look at the ethics behind those education providers too, because often ethics comes across all parts of aesthetic medicine in clinical practice and in education. So I'm going to highlight some of these issues for you today in today's podcast episode. Let's talk about three specific ethical dilemmas that everyday practitioners will find themselves facing in aesthetic medicine. And I know that I faced this ethical dilemma myself through COVID. So number one is the use of products. And specifically, the use of products can be, I guess, looked at from a few different facets. So number one is using expired products. Now, ethically, it would not be the right thing to use expired products because testing has been done to ensure that that product is safe. I found myself in this very situation during COVID. During COVID, my heart was broken for many reasons. Obviously, I couldn't practice on my patients, but I literally had thousands of dollars worth of products that were sitting there. And as time was ticking on, I was seeing the expiry date come and go. And I was, you know, thinking to myself, well, what am I going to do with all of these products? And the ethical decision I had to make was, do I bin them or do I use them? And you know what? I binned them. There's a couple I kept to use, but this was more so that I can show on Instagram videos what the product looks like when it's, you know, squirted out on a glass slab, but that's literally all I use them for. So when it comes to expired products, a really, I guess, big decision that we need to make, because I know that these products cost money, and you're looking at the syringe and you're thinking to yourself, well, it looks fine. It's probably going to be okay, but it's not okay. The product manufacturers, they test the products, they run them through to the expiry date, and 
They obviously check what is the safe time period for which they can be used. And using expired products on patients is just simply not okay. So the next time you look at a syringe that's expired, you need to throw it out. We are in cosmetic medicine. There is no way that you can ethically use that product. You need to have systems in place to deal with this kind of thing so that it doesn't even become an ethical issue that you need to even consider. This should be the same throughout your entire practice. I know that I have other practitioners that work within my practice and there is just no place at all for using an expired product. Some of the systems that I use to ensure that this does not become an issue is number one, rotation of stock. We need to make sure that as new product is coming into our practice, the old product is used first. And before you use it each and every time, you must check the sticker on the product. Is it within its expiry date? Can you use this product on the patient? If the answer is no, it hits the bin. It cannot be used whatsoever. There is just no place for using expired product on your patient. Furthermore, it is our ethical obligation and our moral obligation and our medico-legal obligation to provide our patient with the batch numbers for the product you're using. How can you hand over a batch number that is expired? It's just, it's wrong. It puts you in a bad light. You could never look at that patient again in an ethical way and they will lose confidence in you. It's so, so important. I cannot emphasize this enough. You must throw out your expired product no matter the cost because the cost to you professionally is so much worse. It's so much bigger. You cannot put a price on it. Throw it out. The second ethical dilemma that sometimes we face is the use of non-TGA approved product or equipment. This again should not even be on your radar, but I know that sometimes it can be tempting. And it can be tempting because sometimes the TGA products are expensive, but let's look at why they're expensive. TGA, for those of you who don't know, is Therapeutic Goods Administration, are responsible for uh, registering and testing the safety and efficacy of all the drugs and equipment that come into Australia. So it's a standard that we should hold in high regard and also have an ethical obligation to ensure that all the products that we bring into our practice and all the equipment we use on our patients are TGA listed. So what we should be looking for is an ARTG number and it's really easy to find. You can find it in two ways. You can either go to the TGA website and look for the ARTG number or the manufacturer that is supplying you with a pharmaceutical or the equipment should be able to give you this number so that you can check that your product or equipment is TGA listed. Now, why would we be ethically ever tempted to go outside of this and use products or equipment that's not TGA listed? Because it's cheaper. Obviously, it's bypassed this whole safety check and uh, you know, perhaps we might be thinking about bringing what we think is the same product in from Australia and importing it ourselves. First thing I would say is, number one, it's illegal. So why would you do something like that? Why would you put a patient's safety and their health at risk? You shouldn't do it. Ethically, there again, there's just no place for this in your practice or your professional life at all. 
Your insurance won't cover you if there is some kind of issue with your patient, for instance, um, if they have an adverse outcome, that there is just no place for this. I just cannot stress it enough. You must look for that ARTG number and ensure that when you're bringing any kind of pharmaceutical or any kind of equipment into your practice that there is TGA listing. It's just so important. Let's talk about another one. Another one is where you have the ethical dilemma of, for instance, I'm going to use the example of doing a brow lift. I know how to do a brow lift using botulinum toxin. It's simple. It's easy. And our patient wants a result. But you're looking at the patient and you're thinking, I'm not sure if a brow lift's quite going to work on this patient, but I might just give it a go. It's tempting, isn't it? But do we have an ethical obligation to inform our patient of the other options? Of course we do. Some of the other options could be, for instance, surgery. And I know that it's tempting, again, to perform the treatments that we know and the treatments that we have had great success with, but it's our ethical obligation to provide our patient with all the treatment options and particularly the treatment options which are of particular importance to that patient. So, for instance, if your patient has really gone beyond the realms of what a botulinum toxin brow lift can do, it's your ethical obligation sometimes just to say no and to point that patient in the direction of a surgeon. There's many reasons for this. The first is, again, when you're uh, undertaking aesthetic medicine, we want great outcomes for our patient. And how can you explain to your patient, well, Maybe I'll just, you know, use a greater dose and you keep basically trying to do the, the same treatment over and over, charging more and more money to your patient because you're trying to, I guess, in hope, produce an outcome. But ethically, it's your responsibility to recognize, number one, that that treatment's not suitable and number two, you're not getting the outcome that you want to do. So I think that this is a really important one because sometimes our education limits us in being able to provide the treatment options and it's our ethical responsibility to, again, recognise when we can do an option for our patient or a treatment for our patient and when we need to refer. So this one's really one that's very close to my heart. If you think that it's in the patient's best interest to be referred please refer the patient to a specialist or whoever you feel is best suited to give that outcome to the patient. Another ethical dilemma that we often get faced with in day-to-day -day practice is where we're putting our financial reward above the patient's best interest. So there are literally hundreds of scenarios for this one. I'm a big advocate of not buying equipment too early on in your practice. So Often what will happen is that when you buy expensive equipment, you start to feel this financial pressure of pushing patients into particular treatments. For example, I was on a bus recently with a group of medical uh, doctors and nurses, and we were just discussing, you know, daily practical life. We're all in different phases of our career. One of the doctors was just buying a new practice and had purchased lots of very expensive equipment, different lasers and so on. And I know that this came up early on in my career too, and I know that it'll come up in many aesthetic practitioners' lives. So you buy this expensive equipment and you're thinking about the lease repayments, and now you're starting to fit patients to that equipment. But this is an ethical dilemma that we all face because should we be pushing the patient towards an equipment that we've purchased 
or should we be pushing that patient towards treatment that actually benefits them? This is a huge ethical dilemma for many practitioners. And again, it shouldn't even be an ethical decision that you need to face. Really, we should always be thinking patient first, patient centric. And I've got to be really honest with you, I have always done this from the beginning of my career up until now. So when I'm thinking about buying equipment in my practice, I'm always thinking about buying equipment that is going to suit my patient's needs and never the other way around. My patient's needs come first and I will always, always, always ask my patients to undertake treatments which suit them rather than suit a financial incentive that I find myself sitting behind. When I'm buying equipment for my practice, it's never about how much money can I make from this piece of equipment. It's more about finding a need that I found in my patients and filling that need. So for instance, when I'm thinking about buying a laser, my laser decision is based on patient need, patient need first. And when I'm offering treatment options to a patient, it's again about a need. I'm You know, for instance, sometimes I might even refer that patient on if I don't have the equipment within my practice. And this needs to be your ethical driving factor too. It always needs to be patient first and any other decisions are far, far behind. Ethically, it is our responsibility to do the right thing by our patients always. Let's talk about a topical one influencers and giving discounts. The first thing I'm going to touch on is that on July the 1st, 2023, APRA made a very clear decision for us. It's taken away any ethical dilemma that we may have had on on this particular one. You cannot gift influencers treatment because this then puts us in, again, an ethical dilemma, a situation where we're trying to push Uh, particular treatments because of this driving force of influences. Again, patients need to be given the correct information and it's our ethical responsibility to do so. And it can't be based on celebrity. It can't be based on an influencer. When we're looking at our patients eye to eye, we need to be honest with our patient. We need to be ethically driven at all times. Do the right thing, even when no one's looking. Our patients want this from us. We should be wanting it ourselves for our patients. Safety first, options based around safety, around delivering results. So important, it should be central. So the use of influencers, 100%, no. Ethically, we cannot do this. APRA has been very clear. You need to undertake this in your practice too. Another ethical dilemma that we all face is using drug names and pharmaceutical pseudonyms in our Instagram and social media. Again, ethically and our legal responsibility is this is a big no. I've seen it so many times. This one is a really difficult one because often we see other people's social media and we think they're doing so well. They're they're driving patients towards themselves. At least this is what's going on in in our mind because we're seeing them use words like, for instance, HATOX. This one has become quite of the moment. Uh, TGA just released a statement just recently about the use of the words HATOX. There's two things around this one. 
We cannot use an acronym such as HATOX, which is inferring uh, the use of toxin for hay fever. So ethically, this is this is a no. Medico legally, this is a no. You can't do it. Often I see it also when people are advertising, they're using drug names. For instance, using the word Botox or using a brand name. We can't do it. I know that it becomes, again, very appealing because we feel that we're uh, I guess using sort of medico legal jargon and patients will recognize this name. And from an advertising point of view, this seems like a great idea. TGA and APRA are very clear about this one. And ethically, you should be really clear about this one too. Don't be tempted. Don't use them. The fines are huge. And ethically, you cannot go in this direction at all. This is another ethical dilemma that faces many practitioners when we're incentivized to give treatment. So I know that the business model for many clinics is that practitioners working within those clinics are given a higher percentage for doing more treatment. This becomes a difficult one because sometimes we start to push patients based on, again, a financial incentive. Again, driving principles should always be what does the patient need, what will the patient benefit from, rather than can I get this patient to do just an extra syringe because I'm going to earn more commission from this? I sometimes question these business models because I think that we then get driven into an ethical dilemma on not only a daily basis, but on a patient by patient basis. We're trying to sometimes be tempted to push a patient into you know, a three syringe package where maybe a two Two syringes is maybe all of that, all they need. If you find yourself in a business where you are being pressured into upselling treatment to your patient, you really need to think about, should I be here? You should always be driven by good results and good results will mean that you will not need to worry about business. Business will find you. I know that in my training academy, we never discuss this kind of upselling of treatment. We're always patient first, patient results, because good practitioners will always find themselves being booked out and not having to search for patients and not having to fulfill these upsell requirements. So I think when you find yourself in this ethical dilemma, you really need to think about why am I in this business? Should I be here? Because you shouldn't be facing this dilemma at all. It should be about patient treatment patient safety, and patient outcomes always. I'm going to talk about another ethical dilemma that we need to consider. When we have patients that we potentially feel have body dysmorphia, what do we do and how do we handle it? I know that when this comes up in my practice and I recognize the signs, we do have screening questions and obviously I discuss with my patient. My Ethical dilemma is not a dilemma at all. I know that I need to refer that patient to a psychologist, and this is really easy to do. When you find yourself in this ethical dilemma where you have a patient that's requesting treatment that you don't feel is the right thing, or you feel that that patient has some kind of body dysmorphia, it's your ethical responsibility, number one, to screen that patient and to find this potential for a body dysmorphia. So if you find it, Number one, alarm bells should be going off in your head. There should be no ethical dilemma at all. 
The second thing is do not treat. You cannot treat a patient with body dysmorphia because there's some fundamental things that are going on. The first thing is you cannot make the patient happy because the underlying psychology needs to be assessed and that patient needs to have some help. A good practitioner will recognize these things and will stop, think, and then refer. It's your responsibility to undertake the right thing for the right patient. And again, I know that in my academy, this is a big focus because we need to know what to do and we need to know what to say, which is sometimes difficult but necessary. The next ethical dilemma I want to talk about, and this is one that's very close to my heart, is your level of education and training. It's okay to tell your patient if you don't want to perform treatment or you don't have the experience or the confidence or the competence to undertake that treatment. One example is doing a liquid rhinoplasty or injecting dermal filler into the nose. This is a really high-risk treatment and it is your ethical obligation to inform your patient if, number one, you've never had the training in it, Number two, you don't feel confident in that treatment. And number three, you don't actually have any kind of backup. And what I mean by that is that you need to be able to recognize a complication. You need to know what to do with that patient should a complication arise. And you need to have a support system. If you lack any of these things, you need to refer that patient to someone who can help that patient in a great way. An example of this would be if you didn't have the education and confidence to perform that liquid rhinoplasty, a great option would be to refer that patient to a plastic surgeon. It doesn't mean that the plastic surgeon is necessarily going to do plastic surgery, but you're putting that patient in a place where there's competence, there's education, and there are other options available to that patient that might be better suited. Another thing that I'd like to point out is that a lot of our training is based on retraining. So if you did, for instance, a course on liquid rhinoplasty 10 years ago, do you think ethically you should still be doing a liquid rhinoplasty today if you've never done the treatment and never done any other education except for what you did 10 years ago? My answer to you would be no. I think ethically it's your responsibility to seek out further assistance. And if you want to undertake these treatments, you must seek out further education. Your patients require this of you. You require this of you. It's your ethical responsibility to make sure that any treatments you do, you can stand by and know that you've done the best possible thing. You understand the anatomy. You understand the complications that can occur. And you also understand when to say no. When there is a high-risk procedure or a high-risk patient, it's your responsibility ethically, morally, and professionally to refer that patient to someone that can do it with confidence and with competence and education. I'm going to move to something that's not so much an ethical dilemma, but something I want you to really think about. And it's what I call the sweet zone. When I'm working with patients, I know that I have a time of the day where I'm at my best. This is my sweet zone. And my best time of day is between 10 and 2. The first bit of the day, 9 to 10, for me is a warm up. 
So when I'm booking in my patients for those more complicated procedures, I don't necessarily want to do that so much between 9 and 10. So my staff know to book my patients in for those more complicated procedures between 10 and 2. I've been a practitioner for a long period of time and part of my success story is that I perform my best in my sweet zone. When we're teaching at Dermal Distinction Academy, this is part of what we go through as well, some business structure. You need to set out your day so that you do the procedures that take the most brain power, the most thinking, the most complicated things in your sweet zone. Your sweet zone might be different to mine and that's okay. You need to work with patients and perform your best. You also need to recognize when you're not performing your best. So for instance, if you had a really late night, if you were not feeling that great on that particular day, it might be better to actually postpone those patients and reschedule them for a day when you can perform your best. It is our ethical obligation to obviously do our best for our patients. And although this isn't so much an ethical dilemma, it does do a bit of a crossover into this territory because we want to do our best for our patients always. To be a great practitioner, to be successful in your practice, you want patients raving about you. Do treatments that you find the most challenging in your sweet zone. You just need to find that zone, do the work in that time, and schedule simpler things around your sweet zone. In this episode, we've talked about ethical dilemmas, many, many dilemmas that face us all each day. We've discussed some of the financial dilemmas, some of the treatment dilemmas, some of the barriers to delivering great treatment. When you're undertaking any kind of aesthetic work on your patients, remember first and foremost, you are a medical practitioner and it is our obligation to always do right by our patient and deliver great results. We should always be striving to do no harm. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and you've got a lot out of it and at least I've got your brain thinking about some of the issues that come up and I look forward to you joining me at Dermal Distinction Podcast for our next episode. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Dermal Distinction. The conversation continues over on my Instagram at Dermal Distinction Academy, where I encourage you to connect with me. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. 